but we are in Philippians chapter 3, so if you want to uh, join me in, in turning there, Philippians chapter 3, as we uh, look at this message together, the uh, title is Exemplified Joy, and so we're going to look at an example, and we've, we've talked about this specifically, but we're going to uh, perhaps... Uh, I would say in the, in the most direct description of, of Paul calling on those in Philippi to follow after him, to, to look to him as a model. As we uh, continue the series and model maturity, that, uh, that he's, he's calling them to look to him as the example, to be an example. And so uh, this is exemplified joy. He is putting an example uh, before those in Philippi. So Philippians 3, beginning of verse 17, as we read, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which, also, which walk so as ye have us for an example. For as many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Bless the reading of his word. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the example that you have set before us today. Uh, of one who truly did model maturity uh, for this church in Philippi, but also who modeled maturity for us today as well. Father, we're thankful that we have your word, that we have the, the very word of God. And uh, Lord, we thank you that you have provided for us all that we need for life and godliness. Uh, Lord, we, we thank you uh, that even today, through your word, you have provided for us a, a model of what Christian life should look like, and what a joyous Christian life should look like. Father, we, we ask that you would help us to know the difference between those who are following after you and those who are either pleasing themselves or following after another, that we would understand and be able to, to discern what, what is it that you would have us to do, how you would have us to live Father, we pray that our lives would be those that bring you glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we uh, consider what we've gone through uh, together recently over the, these past few weeks. Um, we have been discussing this topic of, of living a life that's rejoicing in the Lord and, and what that looks like. And so we've been through, um, been through really what, what is the, this will be the fourth, um, fourth message in that, living that life that, that is rejoicing in the Lord. And, and we began by considering the, the idea of, of considering the things that, that went before and, and really um, being clear in our, our estimation that the things went, that went before were not so good. And um, we, we really called that advancing in joy. Verse 8 said, Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss. Right, all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, and and so life before, not good. 
Life with Jesus, wonderful, right? It's it, it totally different. Um, and and that, that doesn't mean there's no trials, there's no problems or anything like that. It, it just means that in comparison, uh, what was going on before was not accomplishing anything to the glory of God. And now with Jesus, we have the privilege uh, of living a life that does that. And so that's, that's advancing in joy. That's pressing on in this joy. And we have to understand what came behind, you know, what went before. Uh, you, you can't enjoy, advance in joy as a Christian if you're looking back to your old life and say, boy, I wish I had, still had that. Right? <laughs> you're not going to advance in joy. And, and, and I've heard believers who get enamored by their past life uh, and past things and say, boy, I, I still wish I had that, or I wish I got to do those things, or, or whatever it is. And, and it's sinful. And yes, there's pleasure in it right, for a season, as we've talked about this morning, but there's great consequence in it as well. And so if we're going to advance in joy, we have to have the right understanding or estimation of, of the past. Um, but then also we need to have uh, an experiential knowledge of Jesus Christ. We need to know him and experience him personally. And, and so that was our, our second series there, an experience joy, second message. And, and verse 10, back here, said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sufferings, and being made conformable unto his death if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And, and so we, we need to experience his power, right? We need, to, we need to actually experience the power of Jesus in our lives, the power of his resurrection, as we seek to use that power to live out uh, a, a life that is worthy of the gospel. And, and so that is a, an experience of joy. That's, that's truly experiencing it. Uh, the... the Third, third message in this section that we've been going through uh, was called insatiable joy, and uh, that's what we looked at together last week. And the idea was that we're not satisfied. We're, we're not satisfied with where we've been. We're not satisfied with where we are. Uh, we're not willing to stay in this place. We're not going to look at our past and say, okay, I accomplished enough. I'm, I'm done. You know, I, I can uh, quit Christianity now. I did what I wanted to, accomplished the goals, and now I can move on. No, we're, we're insatiable. We're not satisfied with, with the joy that we have. We want more and more. And then today we're going to look at exemplified joy. This is the model that's set before us. And, and it's really the model that, that Paul has called out where he, 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 has, he has said, hey, follow me. Follow me. Let me be an example. And so um, with that in mind, um, we're, going to, we're going to consider what's a good example, what's a bad example, what, what are the characteristics of a good example as we, as we work through this message together this morning. So, um, so at the, the beginning here, we're going to identify good examples, and uh, verse 17 starts that off as we're in that identification process. Verse 17, brethren, be followers together of me, mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. And, um, and, and just to clear up some of that language here, right? Join in imitating me, right? Come together, imitate me, is what Paul's saying. Um, brothers and sisters, believers, it's who he's referring to, pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. So, so, so the idea here is, okay, we are all being called together to follow after Paul and his example, as believers, we need to follow after Paul and his example. We need to be, pay attention, right? The mark, that's the idea. Pay attention, 
Focus on the one who, who does what? Lives according to the example you have in us. Look for those who live like we do and, and pay attention to that. And so that, that is the, the um, identification of good examples. That's what he's calling them to do. And so he, he's saying, I'm it, and look for others who, who are like me. The, the whole idea of, of imitating, right, like a, a teacher, imitating a teacher. We, we think of teachers today as you know, somebody who just passes on knowledge, right? A lot of times we think of teachers as someone who just passes on knowledge. You sit in the class, you come in, you hear whatever they're saying, you memorize it, think about it, you understand the concepts, whatever it is, and then you can reproduce it on a test later or actually maybe even do it in real life if you did real well at it. But, but you, you know, we, we think about, about those things it, it, as a teacher today, just sort of passing on knowledge. That was not the view of, of teachers in, in, the, in, the Old Test, in, in New Testament times, in Bible times. Right? The idea of a teacher or an instructor was someone who, who you truly lived your life with, right? You followed after them. You spent your days with them. And you weren't just simply picking up knowledge. You, you were also, um, you, you were actually putting it into practice. So, so you, you looked at how they lived their lives and how they used the instruction and, and how they did life, so to speak. And you sought to model your life after that. You, you sought to use it as, as the example uh, of what lo- life looks like. And so your goal really truly was to imitate the teacher. Right? Now, I, I had plenty of teachers along the way. Uh, some of them I learned a little bit from here or there. And um, with that, there were some who I, I learned some things in the way that they carried out their life that I said, hey, I, I want to imitate that. Right? I like the way that they do that. I think that's a good thing. I had other teachers where I may have learned some knowledge from them, but I didn't want anything to do with anything about how they lived their lives or, or any aspect of it. There was very little to take from them that I sincerely wanted to imitate in, in my life. And, and so, so it was different in Bible times. You, you sat under who you truly wanted to imitate. You sat under who you wanted to look like. And so that's the, that's the model here. As Paul is saying, join in imitating me. Be, be followers together of me. He, he's saying, set your life uh, under, come under in imitation to, to how I live my life. Make it look like I do. And we, we need to be clear here. Paul, Paul is not setting himself up as a, like a little mini-god or something for us to, to follow and saying, I'm the example. In, in every case in, in Scripture, behind that is the idea that, that he is saying, be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And so, so the idea is, Paul is, is saying, hey, to, to the degree that I'm following Christ... Set your life up like, like I do. And, and so that's the, that's, the, um, that's the concept. We see the same type of thing, not just in 1 Corinthians 11 here, but also in 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, where he says, and you became followers of us and of the Lord. Right? Two things there, right? You're followers of us and of the Lord, right? having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Ghost. So, this, this um, and remember, Thessalonians, Thessalonica, 
also there in Macedonia, not too far from Philippi, same, same general area there in Greece. Um, so, so once again, the idea is follow Paul to the extent and then to the degree that he's following after the Lord. And, and what, a, what a powerful statement to be able to say, uh, follow after me, right? <laughs> to, to set yourself up as an example. And, and I, I'll just simply ask the question, would you be comfortable doing that, right? Would you be comfortable saying to somebody, use my life as a model and example of what the Christian life should look like so that, you know, as you're learning and, and gaining more knowledge about Jesus Christ, you can look to me as a model to, to know, to know uh, you know, how your life should look. That's pretty bold, isn't it? I mean, that, that, that is pretty bold. And I think that ought to put just a little bit of, of maybe perhaps fear in our hearts when we think about that um, in terms of what, uh, what this example is uh, of one who we're supposed to model after. Uh, I mean, remember, Paul is the example and he's setting himself up in this way. Um, we should seek to have lives that look so much like Jesus Christ that we would be comfortable saying to someone else, follow after me as I follow after Christ. I mean, that, this is the model that we are to follow in this. And, and they are urged to follow his example, not just in what he does, but even in being a model to others as well. So, so as, we, as, we, uh, as we consider you know, this, this example together, um, I'm going to need a couple of volunteers. And so, uh, uh, Mark and Jan, how about you come up here? Melissa, how about you, too? You can come up here as well. Uh, Melissa, you want to be an example? You can, you can come on up here. Um, Daniel, why don't you come up with Mom? Okay, you, you guys can both come up here. All right, we've got a, got a good group coming up here now. All right, now, um, Melissa, you can take a seat right there for me. And uh, the rest of you come all the way up, all the way up here. All the way up here. All right. Don't worry, you're not being left out. <laughs> all right. Um, all right, Jan, we're going to stick you right there. Melissa, you stay there. Mark, how about you come over here? And Anya, you're right there. Now, here's what we're going to do. Um, you, all, you hold this sheet up, and the goal is to make it so Melissa over here, Melissa C., can't see Jan, okay? So hold that sheet up in such a way that Melissa C. can't see Jan. All right, so, so here's, the, here's the example. Here's the, and, uh, and uh, yeah, good, good and high there. All right, now, now Jan, here's what, what I'd like you to do, okay? You're, you're going to represent Jesus in this illustration, okay? And, and I want you to make motions with your hands, whatever you want to do. And uh, Melissa, your job is to imitate Jan and do the exact same thing over there, okay? Uh, no jumping or anything like that. Got to stay still. No looking around. All right, get started. Uh, uh, Melissa, we need to work on it a little bit. Can you do a little better over there? No, no looking around, no looking around. All right, not, not so good. I, I'll, I'll, I'll just be honest with you. Not so good, Melissa, not so good. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, we're not finished yet, okay? Not finished. Uh, let's put the sheet back up. All right. Melissa, will you stand up, please? 
Now, Melissa, I would like you to follow Jan. And whatever she does, you do. Okay? Now, you're also supposed to do whatever Jan does as well, okay? All right. Ready? Go. Wow. How long should we go, you think? <laughs> it's kind of fun, isn't it? We just, all right, all right, good job, good job. Go ahead, have a seat, have a seat. Great job. So, yeah. All right, what, what happened? What happened? Melissa was not able to imitate Jan, right? She, she, she didn't know what to do. She couldn't do it. And Melissa Young down here could see Jan, right? And so she started imitating Jan. All of a sudden, Melissa Caldwell up here starts doing the same thing that Jan is doing, but she still can't see her. What happened? She was looking to Melissa Young to see what was going on. She became an imitator of Melissa Young. And Ms. Melissa Young was modeling what it looked like to be an imitator of Jesus Christ. You know, the, these, these, this concept, this idea, is, is very much true in life for believers in terms of how we live. I, I think of my life as um, young, in a sense, immature believer. And, um, and I remember going to a, a um, good Bible preaching church where people were serious about their Bible, right? They, they brought it to church with them. They read it during the week. And um, that, was a, that was a little bit of a new concept for me. And, and I remember going there and, and learning and, and gaining from the instruction. And as a young college student, I was thinking, boy, how in the world... Am, am I ever supposed to gain the maturity that some of these folks have? <laughs> you know, it, it, was, it was like, okay, every week I, I'm figuring out, uh, you know, every, every time I'm in the Word, every new Bible reading, I'm figuring out the new sins that I have committed over the past week. You, you know what I mean? And, and, and you're dealing with that, and it's on to the next list, and it just kept going on and on. And was, oh, I shouldn't be doing that either. Oh, I shouldn't be. And, and so... Uh, in a sense, it was, you know, it, it was exciting because I knew that I was growing in the Lord. There was another sense where it was a little bit discouraging because, wow, I'm so sinful all the time and I didn't even know I was this sinful and I've been doing this forever. You, you know, there, there was that sense as well. And, and so um, there was a, a point in time where in, in conscious thought, I said, you know, I, I need to know Jesus, and I need to know him better, and I'm going to continue this process of digging into the Word of God. And, and through, through, through the wor Word of God, the written Word, I'm going to learn more about Jesus, the living Word, and I know it's coming, and I know that's happening, and all this advancing is taking place. Um, but I also need to kind of jumpstart the process here a little bit. And, and one of the ways that, that I did that was I looked at the other believers who were around me in church 
And, and I said, you know, sometimes I am still so sinful, I, I don't know that I can even hardly see God sometimes. You, you know what I mean? I, there, there is so much sin between me and him. I, I don't even know how, how I can break through it. And, and, you know, going through that process, confessing it, forsaking it, going through that process, you, you know, all along the way. But, but it was still so much to deal with. And I just said, look, I'm going to look at what these other believers do. I'm going to look how they live their lives. And, and I'm just going to start doing that. And, and it looks a lot, lot different than how I've been living my life. But I'm going to start there. And, and so I, I started following a model. Right? It, and, 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 and there were certain patterns that I learned from that. And, and amazing, sometimes... The Patterns later on in, in my Bible reading, I, I'd read it and say, oh, so that's why they do that. <laughs> or that's why they don't do that, right? You know, I would read those things and I would learn it and say, okay, so that is the biblical reason behind wh- what I was, I was doing and following this model. Sometimes the knowledge came after the action. Now, now I can tell you sometimes after careful study and longer study, uh, I came to a conclusion and said, why do I still do that, right? Be, because maybe they had a rule or something that they set up in their family that made sense for them, but it really wasn't a biblical requirement. You, you understand what I'm saying? There, there was something where later on I, I learned and said, Jesus doesn't require this. It might be good and it might fit a, a good situation, but it's not based on Scripture, right? They're, they were doing something in their family where, that was perhaps good for them, but not necessarily something that biblically is a requirement for me. You, you follow what I'm saying there? So, so what happens? We, we look to the model, and, and, and through that, you became followers of us and of the Lord. That, that was the example, right? Here, Melissa Caldwell looked to Melissa Young, and she became a follower of her, and at the same time, she was also a follower of the Lord. She was a follower of us and of the Lord. And, and that's how we identify, that's identifying good examples. Paul set himself up and said, hey, when, when, when you see people who are living life like me, who are following my example, you know me, you know the pattern. And when their lives, when they come and they show up and they fit that pattern, pay attention, pay attention, mark them. Watch them closely and carefully because they are an example. So we identify good examples, but, but not only that, we need to identify bad examples as well. There are negative examples, folks who we should not imitate. Verse 18 describes them, for many walk, of whom I have, oft, I have told you often, and now you tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. And, and so we go immediately from the, the positive now to, to the, the negative example, the negative example here. And, and so it, it's, a, it's a contrast, a direct contrast. You're supposed to take note of those who are following the example of Paul and imitating him, um, and part of doing that means that you're also going to pay attention and see those who are not following the example, who are not following the model. And, and so their life is the opposite of what Paul is doing. 
Mark them as well. This is, uh, this is one of those areas where um, I, I think if, if we were to simplify this concept a little bit, uh, to, to take this just very simply in our evaluation of things, it could keep us out of a lot of trouble. I don't know if you ever uh, started listening to somebody. Maybe you started hearing them on TV or YouTube or wherever, right? You, you start hearing somebody speaking, and, and you hear their words, and you, you, you start saying, well, that, that kind of makes a lot of sense, and that sounds pretty good. And then you hear some other things that they're saying, right? And, and okay, yeah, that, that might be right there, too. I, I need to pay. This may be really good. And, and all of that continues to where you start really liking what you're hearing, right? You start liking those things. And, and in the meantime, somewhere along the way, you find out what their life is really like, right? Uh, away from the fame, away from the, you know, the what's on TV or whatever it is. You know, well, he's now married to his fifth wife. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, He's got DUIs and, you know, two DUIs and all these other things. And, and, and their history and their background and everything that, that, that's not just somehow in the past before Christ, but, but is still going on in their life, right? It, it, it's, it comes out and it's publicized. But do you keep following after that person? Right? Do, I mean, do you just keep listening? That doesn't mean that you all their advice was bad. I mean, there, there may be some things within there that were good, but is that who you want to be an imitator of? Is that who you want to pattern your life after? So we're, we're talking about teachers and folks who are influencing us that we pattern our lives after. And, and if, if, if we're going to do that, we need to mark those who are the good example and those who are the bad example. We, we need to separate the two. And, and if you're going to hang around one or the other, don't pick the bad example. You know, there's so many different ways of, of, of saying this and ways that have been used, you know, but um, in terms of the company we keep and bad company corrupts good morals and all the different statements around the idea but, but the fact of the matter is, if, if we are going to spend large portions of our life with somebody else, what they do, how they live, how they think, will influence us. It, it just will. And, and so I, I would encourage you, in terms of those you're spending time with, to, to be wise in how you're using your time. Uh, this doesn't mean that we, we don't hang out with unbelievers or anything like that, but be wise in how we do it, right? How we utilize that time. And, and I would say it this way, uh, ensure that those times are not when we're unguarded. Can I, can I say it that way? Right? In other words, when, when I spend time with unbelievers who don't know the Lord, I am not going in just relaxed. Okay, let's just go hang out and have fun. 
Right? That, that is not my disposition. My disposition is one in which uh, I'm guarded. There's spiritual warfare going on. There's somebody who, who doesn't know the Lord, who may not even know it, but they're on the side of Satan, and, and, and we're having a, a discussion, and my goal for them is not, is not simply that, oh, they have a good time. And that's not loving. My goal for them is that they come to know Jesus as their Savior. That's the point of the meeting. That's the point of the interaction. I don't want anything else for them but that, because that is their greatest good. And so if, if, if we have a heart for somebody, when we come in in those moments, that, that needs to be the mindset. That needs to be what's, what's behind it. I always think it's so essential that, that we keep that mindset, that thought process in place. Where, where we truly are, as we looked at last week, heavenly minded, that we really are thinking about the things of God, that we go in with that mindset as, as we interact with others. Now look, believers, if I'm around believers, there's a time where I can be a lot less guarded, right? <laughs> I, I, I can be a lot less guarded around those who are in the family of God. We, we, we can... Uh, that, that doesn't mean that we don't compare things to Scripture. It just means that we're in a place where largely those around us are encouraging us in the things of God. And, and so it's a different situation, a different environment. So we, we mark the bad examples. We mark and compare the difference. And, and you know, what, one of the things about this group, um, you know, the, who are these bad examples? Some have said, well, maybe they're false teachers, Right. Maybe, maybe, they're, maybe they're the Judaizers. Maybe they're the ones who are, are teaching false things about needing uh, circumcision in order to be saved and adding that on there. Um, but, you know, one of the interesting things here is the way that Paul describes them. For many walk of whom I have told you often, it's in verse 18 here, and now tell you even weeping that they themselves are the enemies of the cross of Christ. You know, one of the things that Paul, when Paul weeps in Scripture... He weeps over believers who have turned their back on Jesus, who are walking their own way. He, he, he weeps for them, and, and that is the, the account. He, and it, it says Paul's warned about such people on, on frequent occasions, those who, who were following after the Lord and who went away. Now, they're not members of the, the church anymore. They're outside of the church. They've left Christ. They've moved on. And it's those who he has warned them about, those who are going their own way in their own direction, and, and he, he weeps over them. Not, not because these are pagans living like pagans, right? Not because these are unbelievers living like believers, but, but these are those who have claimed Christ, who have the information and the knowledge, and yet have walked away from it. You probably know people like that in your life. You probably know those who maybe sat in pews here or friends you grew up with or, or, or family members or others, right? Those who, who sat beside you, perhaps those you did ministry with who are away from the Lord today. Um, I've got a list of those. If, if, uh, if, if I'm honest in terms of, of uh, those who I am most burdened for, Right, some of that list are the ones who pull on my heart more, perhaps, than any other. 
because, because I know the knowledge that they, they had. I, I know the understanding that they had. And, and as we, as we um, think of this, I mean, Paul, Paul described it here in Acts 20, 31, the same thing of these people who, who went away from the Lord. Acts 20, 31, therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And so it, it, it points to those who are, are, are away of the Lord. And this is where it gets scary because this is their description in verse 18. They are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Right? They are the enemies of the cross of Christ. So I, I want you to, to consider that for a moment. Those who before perhaps demonstrated knowledge of God who are now walking their own way. Paul is describing him here as the enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, one of the things that Scripture does regularly in, in regard to assurance is that those who are not living for the Lord are described as those who are not known by the Lord. We say that again. Those who are not living for the Lord are described as those who are not known by the Lord. In other words, what happens is when, when individuals are living their own way as though God doesn't exist, then Scripture talks to them and refers to them as though they're not known by God either. All right, they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. And, and if we are going to mark those who are the negative examples, we need to approach them in the same way that Scripture does. What does that mean? That means when I, when I think about my friends or people I did ministry with before who are not work, walking with the Lord today, who are doing their own thing, who are living their own life, I don't treat them as, hey, yeah, this is my buddy. You know, we're serving the Lord together. We did all this together. Oh, this guy here, he knew Christ. He turned his back on him. He went away from him. And he is now living a life as an enemy of the cross of Christ. That, that, that's who he is. And, and I'm not willing to say, hey, you're okay. You, you, you understand that difference? I, I will not, I'm not loving to this person if I act like everything's all right. Because it's not all right. It's not okay. And, and they need to be aware that they are living their lives as an unbeliever and, and they very well may be an unbeliever. And so when we, when we describe what's going, going on there, when we describe that in somebody's life, we, we, we don't just simply excuse it, right? We don't say, oh, okay, it's okay. Yeah, you, you served the Lord when you were little. You went to Sunday school. You made that professional faith at VBS when you were 10. Go live however you want. That's great. At least you did that. We say, hey, you're living as an enemy of the cross of Christ, and you need to know the repercussions of that. Here's the description of it. It goes on. Verse, verse 19. So the first part of this description, they're enemies of the cross of Christ. Uh, verse, verse 19 here, this next, uh, next section, which, um, okay, let me, let me uh, skip ahead. Where are we at? Uh, we're going to go ahead here. Sorry. Uh, verse... 19, which I don't have for you, but you can, uh, you can read it in your Bibles. I'll read it for you here. But uh, verse 19, whose end is destruction. That's the second part here, whose end is destruction. That should scare us, right? That should scare us. Hey, don't, don't, don't treat those who've 
turn their back on Christ, going their own way, as though it, it doesn't matter, that it's not serious. It's, it's serious. It, it's serious. It matters. Pay, pay attention to it. Next part, third, whose God is their belly. Okay, appetite is the idea here. It's using an eating type metaphor. But the, the concept is whatever their desires are, whatever their appetites are, that's what they do. Whatever makes them happy, that's how they fill their lives. And, and if you know somebody who makes choices like that, hey, this is the group that they're in. This, this, these are the ones who need to be marked as the bad examples. Fourth, whose glory is in their shame. What, what, is, what is this? The, the sinful things of life, they put them out there as if they're great. They're, they're, the things that should cause shame, they revel in it. They're excited about it. All right, where do we see this today? Facebook, Instagram, right? That, that's TikTok. That's where we see it, right? Things that should be shameful, they, they publicize it as if it's great. That, that's where this, this comes up. Well, their glory, the things they glory in, right, is in their shame, the things that they should be ashamed of. And, and the description here, verse 5, kind of puts it all together for us. Who mind earthly things. Right? Their focus is on the things of this world. It's on earthly things, not heavenly things. And so, so with that, we need to be um, ready and understand that it is, so, it, it is so important that as we consider uh, those around us, we, we don't just gloss over. We don't just excuse but, but we keep things in proper perspective. You know, Paul, as he went through life with these examples, even at great cost to himself, was willing to call out the difference. In other words, he was willing to mark good examples, and he was willing to mark bad examples. He, he was willing to say, hey, this, those who are following after me, that's a good path. Hang out with them, use them, move your life after them. Those who are going their own way, who are minding earthly things, they are enemies of Jesus. And as a believer, you have no business following after them. You don't want that in your life. Their path leads to destruction, and you need to know that. You need to know the difference. And don't say it's okay. Don't say it's all right. Don't, don't say, well, there was some past or some past history. It's not okay. All these are the description of, of those who are coming, who are, who are that example. So what are now the distinctives of a good example? Distinctives of good examples. This uh, heading, third heading here, distinctives of good examples, we move into verses 20 and 21. Verse 20 says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, and that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. You remember that 
last distinctive of the bad example was that they are minding the things of this world. They're paying attention, they're focusing their lives and modeling after the things of this world. Here we have a different example, believers whose citizenship is in heaven. Right? They, they belong to heaven. And they're, they're here on earth waiting for the Savior to return, longing for his return, the Lord Jesus Christ to come back. What's a good example? What are, what's a distinctive of those who are good examples? They're heavenly-minded. Right? They're eternally focused. They're, they're concerned about things that are not of this world. They know where they belong to. You know, so their, their minds are not on earthly things, but they're focused on their citizenship in heaven and with that, all of the rights, privileges, and responsibilities that come with that citizenship. I'm an American, born in America, proud American, glad to be an American, right? All those things. I'm, I'm uh, grateful for my country. I'm grateful for the rights and privileges that I've been afforded in the country that I live in. And I, I'm grateful for our Constitution and the protections it offers. All of those things. I, I'm glad for it and I'm appreciative of it. But you know, that's still second to my citizenship in heaven. Because one day I won't be an American anymore. Right? They, they won't keep me on the rolls. <laughs> I'll be gone. <laughs> and I have a, a citizenship in heaven that will last for all eternity. A, and I will be judged not based upon whether or not I fulfilled my responsibilities as an American, but rather on the basis of whether or not I fulfilled my responsibilities as a citizen of heaven. Now, some of that involves your country, right? So it's not mutually exclusive. But, but that will be the basis uh, upon which I will be judged. And, and so our, our citizenship is in heaven. And, and so with that, that's what we look for in good examples, What's a distinctive of somebody who's a good example? They have a citizenship in heaven. They're not earthly-minded. They're focused on the things of the Lord. Don't pattern your life after those who are earthly-minded. Don't, don't pattern your life that way. Pattern your life for those who know that they belong to the Lord, who are eagerly awaiting His return and longing, longing for the day in which they're united with him. You see, citizens of heaven know that they are already a part of, of that, that wonderful place. They are already a citizen. They already have that citizenship. And, and we haven't even set foot on its metaphorically soil, so to speak. Right? We, we haven't even been there yet. And so the full realization of its benefits and all that is to come is still not yet. I'm already a citizen, but I've not experienced the fullness of its glories. It's yet to come. And those who belong to the Lord long for that day. It is 
what they focus on and, and their desire. We look forward to the coming of Jesus Christ. The other thing is they're preoccupied with Jesus Christ. Verse 21, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. You know, he'll transform us into, from this beaten down, beat up body to one that's glorious because he can do that. But not only that, right? He is able to subdue all things to himself. This is, this is going um, back even Psalm 8, verse 6, depending on your version, you may see it in verse 7, but thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. This, this is pointing to the fact that Jesus, the, the Messiah, Jesus, the Savior, will be over all and recognized over all. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The, those who love him and those who hate him, those who are his friends and those who are his enemies, he will be over all and, and he, he will demonstrate that. 1 Corinthians 15, 28 says, And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. You see, that day is coming, and those who live with that in mind know that they want to be on the, the side of friendship that day. All right? they, they want to willingly bow the knee to, to the one who is deserving of our worship not forced, not coerced, but, but to have a heart even today that, that, is, that is coming under in submission to Jesus Christ himself. Now this, this passage reminds us that regardless of what's going on in the world, God is in control. Regardless of what's taking place, regardless of when we look around and say, wow, there are so many bad examples and so many negative examples that, that God himself has is not somehow lost control of things. He knows exactly what's going on. He's still in control. He's still over all. And that Jesus is coming again. And, and that the day is coming when all will be set right. All will be set in its proper place. And that the final glory belongs to Christ alone. That is the consummation. That is the end. And it is coming. It will take place. The, the question before us is, are we on the side of his friends? Are we in the midst of the good examples? Those who are imitating Jesus Christ and modeling it for others. You see, one of the things that we didn't do in our illustration before was, was that when, when Jan was representing Jesus and Melissa was imitating her, and because of that, Melissa C. right here was able to follow after Jesus and follow after the direction and instruction, was we could add another person on. And they could follow after Melissa C. And it, it could go on and on. Right? All of that is informed and instructed today by the Word of God. The Philippians didn't have the completed canon of God. We model for each other and then we compare against Scripture. That's the, the beauty we have in this day and age. But, but through it all, more and more people come to know Jesus Christ and the plan that he has for them and, and the example, what he's calling them to do in life. Why? Because we model what that is supposed to look like. 
And then they see us and they see that model and they say, I want that and I want to belong to him. And, and then what multiplication, this is what happens, right? This is how it takes place. People look at our lives and say, okay, are they following Christ? Or are they not following Christ? Maybe it's a young believer and they're growing in Jesus, right? They, they're, they're looking for someone to help them develop. Maybe it's the person who's modeling and they're modeling evangelism as well and sharing the gospel. And then others are learning how to share the gospel and, and, and learning and instructed in that and what the Christian life should look like. You see, all, all of this is, is just a matter of, of doing what Jesus has called us to do. A model we see exemplified by Paul and it's a model we see exemplified by other mature believers and have seen it in our lives. See, this is exemplified joy. This is an example that is being set before us that we apply and live out for the glory of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God this morning. Thank you for the challenge that has been set before us. And Lord, we thank you for the example of Paul. Thank you, Father, that you used regular people and set them in their walk with you before others. Lord, help us to remember today that Paul was flesh and blood, sinful as we are. Father, help us to remember that you have called us to a life that is focused on heavenly things, that's not focused on the things of this world. Lord, I pray today that we would have in our hearts a desire to be better models of Jesus Christ. Father, that we would have a desire to, to consider others above ourselves and the example that we will put before others in leading them toward right or wrong. Father, that we would have a heart and a desire to be in the camp of the good examples. Father, we ask today that we would just be renewed in our hearts in that desire to truly be models of Christ-likeness. Father, I pray also today that you would grant discernment, that we would do what we are commanded here to mark those who are good examples, to mark those who are bad examples, and Father, to be imitators of the good examples, to be cautious in our usage of time, that we not devote our lives to those who are leading us astray, but rather that we devote our lives to those who are pushing us toward Jesus Christ. Father, I just pray that, that today in those areas where we see those who we love and care for who are modeling bad examples for others that we would take upon the call that was before us and the description of who they are that they are the enemies of the cross and that we would be willing to take that description to heart and not treat life and their lives as though 
it's okay. It's just okay how it is. Father, that we would be burdened. That we would seek to put on the armor of God. To do spiritual battle, to call them to repentance. To point them to the Savior. Father, to make clear that where they are is not okay with us or with God. Father, help us to love others as you do. Father, we pray that in this moment that you would call to mind those that perhaps we need to go to either to ask forgiveness because of our bad example or sin toward them or, Father, those who we need to lovingly go to and confront with the truth of the gospel message. Father, as we pause right now, those in the sanctuary, I'd ask that you would simply call out to God if there is something in this area, someone you need to ask forgiveness from or someone that you need to go to to lovingly confront, to encourage them to return or to meet Jesus. Father, we need grace to do the things which you have called us to do. Through it all, Lord, we know that the coming consummation will be here and that we need not lose hope. We know that victory is assured. Father, we pray for grace today in the midst of the battle that our lives might be used for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.